On your Tuesday episode of Locked on Raptors, the Toronto Raptors hang on in a thriller at MSG. We will break down why this game only continues to muddy an already muddy picture for the Raptors as they try to make decisions ahead of the deadline. We'll dig into Fred Van Vliet's excellent game as well as his couple of gaffes near the end that almost cost him the game. We'll dig into some excellent individual defensive performances, a lineup I wish the Raptors would use more, and so much more coming up on today's episode of Locked on Raptors. Thanks for hanging. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to episode number 1322 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, January the 17th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I have been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can go and find all of my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast for free on your favorite podcast apps, as always. And we are on YouTube. Please go hit the big red subscribe button to show your support for the show. Even if you're not going to watch on video, just help juice the stats, please. It makes me feel good. Also, you can win yourself something right now by subscribing to the YouTube channel, as I've been uh, promoting all the last couple weeks or so. On February the 7th at the Rivoli in Toronto, I will be part of the Raptors Republic pre-trade deadline podcast extravaganza i will be on one of the panels and i'm very excited about it and you can win two free tickets to this wonderful event simply by sending an email to lockdownraptors at gmail.com in that email send a screenshot that proves you are part of the raptors lockdown raptors subscriber community on youtube just show that you're subscribed baby also include a little note about your favorite deep cut raptor and if you do that you are going to get yourself entered into that draw to win a couple tickets to the wonderful live podcast event on february the 7th at the rivoli so please go and do that a couple people have already entered we had a rafer alston mention from our latest entry which is a lovely deep cut raptor please go join the fun over there send the email to lockdownraptors at gmail.com all right on today's show, we are digging into the Raptors' win over the New York Knicks, 121, or sorry, 123-121, yesterday afternoon for MLK Day at MSG. A uh, thrilling, very stupid game. Uh, you know, nothing's going to top the Bucks game from a couple of weeks ago, as that is maybe the stupidest game I've ever watched start to finish. Uh, but this one, you know, delightfully dumb in its own weird way, and the Raptors, against all odds, I think, pull out... A victory that, for me, at multiple times, felt like it was headed towards just a disastrous, catastrophic loss. I still feel like that Jalen Brunson 3 at the end of overtime is going in, or that he's going to throw a lob to Mitchell Robinson, and we will have a, you know, a, a second Trey Young to A.J. Griffin situation on our hands. Not so, however. The game is done. The Raptors have won. They are now 20-24 and 24 on the season. We're going to dig into, I thought, uh, what was a really impressive defensive showing from the Raptors, or at least a few members of the Raptors in the fourth quarter in particular, and sort of examine a lineup I wish we would see a little bit more here now that Precious Achua is back in the fold. And boy, oh boy, is that dude ever good at defense. We got the good, the bad, the hmm coming up later on as well. 
But I want to begin with my big takeaway from the game. And look, maybe this is a bad big takeaway because there's not really a takeaway here. But I do kind of feel like this game only complicates matters for the Raptors and their decision-making ahead of the deadline. Obviously, every single game right now feels like it has a weight to it, like there are stakes, like there are decisions being made based on the outcomes of these games. So I don't think it's, like, crazy to feel a little overreactionary to each one of these games. And, you know, I, I, I just, for me, it almost feels like I'm reacting to the weirdness with just a, a sort of leveling up of my own sort of uncertainty about what the hell this team should do going into the deadline. You know, I think we've laid out all the various cases, right? You know, the one I'm not really going to examine is the one where they kind of blow the whole thing up because that's dumb and I don't think they're going to do that. But we've talked about the Fred Van Vliet situation. We've talked about Gary Trent Jr. We've talked about small ads they could make. And we've talked about the outcome where they just don't do anything that will surely piss a lot of people off, but might actually be the right course of action if you feel like you can retain Gary Trent Jr. and Fred Van Vliet this offseason, which I think is a totally viable path if you feel like that's on the table based on your conversations with agents and stuff. Maybe there's some unhappiness. Shout out CJ McCollum for sowing discord among Raptors fans and the team and all the ranks um, with, you know, his comments about, you know, someone being unhappy in the midst of the Raptors. And that obviously complicates this whole thing. But if you're just looking at this game against the Knicks, I, I don't know how you can't feel more confused about where this team should go, go next. Because, look... <laughs> It's just not as simple as trade Fred, trade Gary. I know that it's what everyone wants it to be, but it's just not because there is the very real reality, the very real reality, there you go, that, you know, any move to take away from this team has to be followed up in very short order by a move that adds to the team and replenishes what is lost. And in the case of the Raptors right now, the two guys who are most likely to be moved are the two guys who offer guard skills and three-point shooting in a way very few other guys, if any, on the team offer. And those are very clearly important skills for the Raptors to have on the floor, specifically as a compliment to Scotty Barnes, who's kind of doing the thing right now. He's been ridiculous since the new year, 19-7-5. and um, You know, last night, of course, or yesterday afternoon, 26-7-4, and was the star for the Raptors down the stretch of this game. And I still keep on coming back to the idea that Depleting the supporting cast you have around your potentially ascendant superstar is a pretty good way to alienate said potentially ascendant superstar. And so, you know, this game you see Fred Van Vliet over 33-5-8. Again, Fred Van Vliet continues to be very good of late for the Raptors, despite all of the misgivings, despite, you know, some very, very notable gaffes that we'll get to late in this game. You know, I, I think Fred Van Vliet undeniably is helping the Raptors win basketball games right now. If you just look at the numbers since January 1st, which is a very small sample, it's only like eight or nine games, eight games, I suppose. Um, but, you know, as far as how many they've played, that's like a fifth of the season, almost a sixth of the season. Since January 1st, Fred Van Vliet is number two among Raptors regulars behind only Scotty Barnes, who is driving winning like crazy right now. They're 15, 16 points better per 100 possessions with Scotty Barnes on the floor versus off per NBA.com. That's incredible. Second among regulars is Fred Van Vliet. The Raptors are plus 11.3 per 100 possessions with him on the floor 
So you can say he's bad all you want, but the numbers suggest he's still a positive player who drives positive play for this team when he's out there. And you see just the extra burst this team has when he is out there looking good. You know, he obviously was questionable for, before yesterday's game with the back spasms that seem to have been kind of a thing all year and are one of the reasons you worry about paying him his next contract is that his back just always hurts. As he said after the game, getting out of bed every morning is an adventure the most relatable thing an NBA player has ever said, but also a little troubling if you're looking, sort of reading the tea leaves going forward for Fred VanVleet's future. That said, though, he helps them win right now. He's a great fit next to Scotty Barnes. You know, the way they've run that pick-and-roll action, the way they use Scotty Barnes from the elbows and sort of run stagger screens off of him, Fred VanVleet, with his gravity, even though he's not shooting the lights out this season, is still a guy teams respect, teams fear, teams worry about, and defend as such... And that helps Scotty Barnes. That helps the offense look smoother. And if your idea is to move on from Fred Van Vliet and then do something to add to the team in the offseason that gives the Raptors that shooting, you know, guard-driven element, then great. I just don't see what the move is. I don't see that obvious path forward and to, you know, just move on from a guy because you might have to pay him his next contract, which, you know, to be fair, there's more risk involved with Fred than there are with most guys his age just because of the miles on him and because of his size. But still, he's very clearly an effective player. Again, I'm totally open to the idea that you trade Fred by the deadline, but to make it seem like it's a simple call is really not it because if Scotty Barnes is going to be this dude, which we've seen him be this dude for now a couple weeks and for various flourishes throughout the season, much of last year. If you still think Scotty Barnes has that, you know, superstar potential that we talked about last season, we just couldn't get ourselves off of the excitement wagon with him. If you think that there's this ascendance coming from him, it makes sense to want to keep a pretty good supporting cast around him, especially while he's still cheap. And to me, any move for Fred or Gary Trent Jr. going out the door has to be followed by a subsequent move that replaces and replenishes the lost shooting and guard play that those guys bring because Scotty Barnes is going to need guards around him. That's just how it's going to be, especially if he's going to be this sort of proto-center and you know play from the middle of the floor. Having guards who can play off of him, really valuable. And Fred Van Vliet continues to be an excellent fit with Scotty Barnes, this game very much, uh, I think, putting that on display with the way those two guys played in two-man actions and just the way they played off of one another. It was really, really impressive. Those two guys are the reason the Raptors won this game. And look, from the other side, you see Scotty go off like this, and maybe you're like, okay, whatever the future is, it's going to be good because Scotty Barnes rules. Get what you can now for these guys who are maybe at the, you know, the, the sort of end of their 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 peak or whatever, and go and sort of replenish things. Again, it's just not that easy. And Fred Van Vliet remains an excellent fit around the theoretical version of whatever this team is going to look like. And his game on Monday really, I think, kind of hammers home that there are no easy decisions here. This is not as cut and dry as, well, you got to trade Fred and move on. It's just not that easy. And I, I'm glad I'm not the Raptors front office trying to sort through this because that game against the Dicks, nonsensical as it was, kind of showcases, uh, you know, it also showcases the bad side, right? They were pretty miserable in the third quarter. Their shot creation was awful, got stodgy. Their defense continues to, you know, have moments where, you know, they, they can't protect the rim whatsoever. The last play of regulation for the Knicks being one of those examples. Like, it's just, it's not a simple situation for the Raptors to figure out right now. And games like that one against the Knicks only serve to complicate the picture even more and make it so 
I don't think we're going to see the Raptors make some sort of rash move here. It just might be that they don't impose this deadline on themselves and try to kick it down the can, kick the can down the road of the summer. There's risk involved there, obviously, but there's also risk involved in trading away Fred Van Vliet when he's really coming into form this, these last couple of weeks, despite, again, all of the talk about Fred Van Vliet being a bad player or whatever. It's just not true. It just doesn't bear out. His defense has been better as well and defense is where i kind of want to dig into in the next segment here because i think as much as scotty barnes scoring and getting offensive boards and and doing the thing late in this game against the knicks was awesome i thought they won this game because their defense kind of gave them a shot and it was a nice return to seeing the raptors defense be maybe its best clutch time weapon that's kind of been the case for the last last couple of years we're going to dig into why some individual efforts from the likes of pascal siakam og ananobi even Scotty Barnes, as well as Precious Chua, were, I think, top of mind for me that I want to get into in just one second here. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at Rocket Money. And look, th- this is a-, a wonderful company made exactly for people like me who are very bad at uh, doing things, doing admin, getting rid of things I don't need to be paying for. I just I kick it down the road. I worry about it later. And then all of a sudden, every month, these subscriptions that I keep on accruing for various things that I get free trials for or streaming services or whatever that I sign up for one month to watch one show and then I forget to cancel, I'm paying all this money that I don't need to be paying. Rocket Money is here to help you. Of course, formerly Truebill, they are a personal finance app that helps you cancel unwanted subscriptions, monitor your, monitor your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. They're really, really great for people, if you're like me, who have a really hard time remembering to do small, menial tasks. Over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about. That's like, you know, you got that streaming service you bought that only to watch the one show like I talked about. Maybe you signed up for something during the pandemic, like me, an e-card website that I was paying for for two years before canceling it. All of these things happen to all sorts of people. You lose tons of money on subscriptions you don't pay for. Rocket Money is going to help you find those. Cancel the ones you don't want so you can save yourself some money. Stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's rocketmoney.com slash LockedOnNBA. Rocketmoney.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, let's continue on here with uh, another sort of takeaway I had from this game against the Knicks. I thought the defense in the fourth quarter was pretty spectacular for the most part. And I think on an individual basis, it's kind of where it really shone. I think you saw Pascal Siakam, you know, just he's just this playmaker late in games, man. He, you know, didn't have it last night offensively. 0 of 7 from 3. That was big. Uh, you know, just 20 points. He had eight boards and nine assists, though, which again speaks to the all-encompassing impact of Pascal Siakam at all times when he's on the floor. Um, but The defense, I thought, from him, from OG, even from Scotty Barnes, from Fred Van Vliet, and we'll talk about Precious Achua, too, who I think should have played more in this game. You know, it's been a frustrating season. It's been a frustrating defensive season to watch because there has not been a whole lot of continuity. Um, There's not been a whole lot of, you know, being on the string like we saw for long stretches of last season. It seems as though the limitations of Nick Nurse's scheme have been revealed and that if you're not doing it perfectly, things are going to fall apart and it comes unspooled very quickly because it's a very intricate web of rotations and filling in the space and rotating over and sending extra to the help to the ball, all of this. Like, it's a very complex system to run. I think we've seen the limitations of it. For me, 
I would like to see Nick Nurse kind of chill things out, and he has a little bit. They played a lot of zone yesterday, for example. That was good to see against a Knicks team that's not an excellent three-point shooting team, and they certainly weren't yesterday, 9 of 31. I think the Raptors did a good job forcing them into a lot of not-ideal shots with that zone. But I also just think like the individual greatness of some of these guys on defense gives you at least a little optimism that there is something resembling a good defense somewhere in here. And maybe that's with a change of scheme. Maybe it's just with a better execution of scheme. But we saw yesterday OG Ananobi just a, a smothering defensive performance. Actually spent most of the game, per the matchup data on NBA.com and the box scores, he spent most of the game on Mitchell Robinson, which I think is interesting. You know, you kind of have him guard the least potent offensive player on the floor. And, you know, the Raptors did a pretty good job in those situations. Nine minutes and 31 seconds, 36 partial possessions. OG guarded Mitchell Robinson. The Raptors hold the Knicks to 29 points. Um, you know, he didn't do the best job on Jalen Brunson. It's kind of a weird game for OG, not slowing down the opposing guard who's giving you trouble, but that's okay because Fred Van Vliet had himself a pretty solid game by the numbers against Jalen Brunson in this one. Um, you know, again, I just think that the playmaking these guys are capable of late in games, it's such a clutch weapon for them to have. We've seen it in the past, right? Like the 2019-20 the team, that team, yes, they had a devastating Siakam-Lowry-based pick-and-roll offense late in games that crushed teams, but really the defense was what was their crunch time weapon, where they were able to force turnovers, force really busted possessions just because of how swarming and immense they were. You even, you know, back to the Tampa season, even last year, like they've had moments where the defense can really swing a game for them. And we haven't seen that at all this year. And it's the reason why, frankly, the Raptors keep on losing these close games, losing overtime games. They just can't get stops when necessary. And I do think we saw sort of a picture into what the defense can be capable of at at its peak. And, you know, I, I think we've seen Fred Van Vliet kind of come back a little bit defensively here. Um, you know, he's had some bad games, obviously, on ball. The game over the weekend against the Hawks maybe the worst we've ever seen from him. But on balance, I think he's improved in his on-ball defense. And his, you know, his help defense is always going to be there, of course. Um, yesterday against Jalen Brunson, just to kind of give you the, the, the numbers there. Again, NBA.com matchup data, it's all very sort of hard to parse. There's lots of noise, but still... Eight minutes spent guarding Jalen Brunson yesterday for Fred. 33 partial possessions. The, uh, the the Knicks only scored 19 points in those situations. Brunson goes two of eight. That's good. Like, that's good stuff from Fred. Um, and, and I think with the way Scotty Barnes has kind of come into this role as a rim protector, you know, he had some moments where he got his ass blown by yesterday for sure, and that's not what you want to see. But, um, you know, two more blocks for him yesterday. He's racking up the blocks. He's done a very good job around the rim. Um, you know, I, I, I think there's something here. And then you also throw in Precious Achua, and this is kind of what I want to get to. There's a lineup the Raptors haven't been using so far this year, really, mostly because of circumstance and not having guys available. But even with them available, it's not come out a whole lot. Precious Achua is such an insanely good defender, man. I, I, like, in this game against the Knicks, he has eight points, eight boards, doesn't have any counting defensive stats, but the numbers of times he just is a deterrent at the rim, at his size, is so bloody impressive. Um, the way he can test shots, the way it feels like when he goes up, dudes just bounce off of him. He has, like, this... If you've seen the movie Dune, where they have, like, the shields, obviously in the books they have them too, but you see it in real life in the book, in, in the movie, like, they have the, the shields off of which swords bounce and whatnot. It kind of feels like Fred is... Precious is wearing one of those suits at all times on defense. Dude's just bounce off of him. He doesn't lose his spot defensively. He doesn't get backed down. And he's just a menace, uh, you know, kind of switching out on smaller guys around the rim, 
a fantastic defensive player who I think should be getting more run than he's getting right now. Um, I think the most he's played since coming back is uh, is 28 minutes in the in I think the game. When the hell was it? One of the games against the Hornets, was it? Or maybe it was Saturday against the Hawks. Either way, just 20 minutes against the Knicks. I actually thought I could have stood to see a little bit more precious in this game. And honestly, to close this game, as much as Gary Trent Jr.'s three-point shooting was really effective throughout this one, four of eight from three, very valuable three-point shooting from him. Um, you know, I think Precious, just the defense he offers, it, I really want to see that Siakam, OG, Barnes, Van Vliet, Precious lineup, at least a little bit here before the trade deadline. Because again... You're still trying to accrue information. You're trying to figure out what's going to work, what's not going to work. And this lineup has played just 11 minutes together all season long after last year, not really getting a chance to play all that much together because of injury and guys cycling in and out of the lineup. And by the end of the season, when Precious was playing at his peak, Fred Van Vliet was missing a lot of games. OG missed time. Gary Trent Jr. was out, obviously, kind of throwing, uh, you know, messing up the works with the rotations as well. And we never got to see that lineup really kind of unleashed. It was in very small minutes. I think 90 possessions all, all told last year. It was in the 100th percentile defensively, the second percentile offensively. This year, it's like the total inverse. They're in the 100th percentile offensively and the first percentile defensively. It's a weird lineup. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But also, we're talking about teensy, teensy samples here. Just 11 minutes so far for that group this season. And I just feel like... The defensive issues this team has had, the sort of the whole concept of Vision six foot nine, I don't think you can properly make any evaluations on it until you see what Precious Achua looks like at the center of it all. Because Precious is pound for pound like the second best defensive player on this team. Um, he is the guy who I've always said is if you, there is going to be someone who unlocks Vision six nine as a viable way to play basketball, it's somebody like Precious who, at his size and speed, can switch out, do the thing but also be a rim protector and a rim deterrent, despite being a smaller guy, he might be special enough defensively where that's viable. And I just think we got to see more of it. And whether it's a closing lineup, whether it's a starting lineup where you move Gary Trent Jr. to the bench, the individual defensive prowess of Precious, Siakam, OG, Barnes in certain spots around the rim, and even Fred, to me, that is a way to shore up the perimeter defensive issues you've had all year give yourself a little bit more rim protection and actually kind of test out a lineup that is a prototype vision six, nine lineup. Yes. Fred is in there, but Fred's a valuable, important piece as we've talked about. I'd like to see that lineup a little bit more. Didn't see it last night. I thought we might see it to close honestly. And uh, I just precious feels like he's playing himself into more minutes. Cause that dude just pops off the screen, the hustle. Um, it seems like he's always kind of throwing himself into battles for rebounds. Even if he's not getting them, he's causing chaos. Uh, the offensive ups and downs are obviously what they are, but you know, I have no problem with Precious getting a little weird with it, even though uh, he had that three in overtime yesterday that uh, nearly spelled doom <laughs> off the miss. But no, I, I just, I am having, I really just want to see that group, I think. As there, again, the, the time runs thin here between now and the deadline to get a full picture of what this team's capable of. That lineup feels like the most accurate representation of what this team is kind of supposed to be philosophically. I would like to see more of it. And, you know, I think we've seen the starters quite a bit. It's nice that we've gotten a pretty good sample on the small starters with Scotty at the five. And I do think that is a, a, a pretty useful lineup. They're a plus 3.5 net rating in nearly 300 minutes. Their assist percentage is like 67. It's off the charts. They play pretty well together. Um, but it doesn't feel to me like they run teams off the floor the way you hope that your core staple lineups can. 
And I would like to see maybe that precious look with Trent swapped out. The lineup that I thought should have been the starting lineup at the beginning of the season, I wouldn't mind seeing that get a little bit of run here just to, um, you know, just see how it can work. Obviously, you don't want to break up the Achua-Boucher duo. You can still play those guys together. It's not like you you start precious and you can't play those guys together. But I get the the resistance from Nick Nurse to want to do it. But I, I just feel like precious has got to be in there and play them play him alongside the the other best Raptors defenders and you just might find yourself a lineup that can actually hang on both ends of the floor. When you factor in what Scotty Barnes is doing around the rim, you know, obviously you're going to need some three-point shooting from Pascal and Precious to make that lineup super viable, but it's so big, it's so long, it's so defensively talented that I feel like it can probably get by and play the way the Raptors kind of want to in theory. I'm surprised we haven't seen more of it. Hopefully we do going forward here. Um, we're going to come back on the other side, break down uh, the good, the bad, and the hmm from this game to round things out. Before we do that, however, I do want to tell you about our friends over at betonline.net. Your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro and college football. Of course, college football done now, but you got college basketball, women's college basketball. You've got soccer. you got the, the leagues over in Europe starting back up after the World Cup. The NHL's going on too. Whatever it is that tickles your fancy when it comes to sports betting, become the informed wagerer by going to betonline.net and digging into their resources. They got podcasts, analysis, news, injury reports, all of it's there to make it so you you are putting your money down smartly as opposed to just with your gut because come on no one wants to do that everyone wants to actually win their bets and your gut is wrong a lot of the time head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more bet online is where the game starts all right let's round it out here your first listen of the day digging into the raptors win over the knicks at msg again let's just kind of bask in the uh stupidity of this game <laughs> really uh just a, a bizarre one, but uh, I, the type of game the Raptors have simply not won this season, and again, it felt like a foregone conclusion they were going to piss that one away. Um, really good to see them win one ugly, and you know that that's not something they've done a whole lot this year, so you take the baby steps where you can. Let's get into the good, the bad, and the hmm. For me, the good, uh, just one specific play. This is in the uh, overtime period, the very beginning out, I think the four-minute mark or so. Scotty Barnes is posting up Quentin Grimes and gets pretty deep position, gets into that sort of mid-post area and fires an absolute dart of an overhead skip pass to OG in the weak side corner. Just, can we marvel at that pass for a second? Just the, like, the dexterity, the, like, it's just directly into the shooting pocket. OG hits it. I think it was his first three of the game. Um, he had another one, another one in OT as well. Kind of a weird OG game, by the way. You know, I, I didn't have him as my bad. I thought the defense was really, really impressive in the fourth quarter, and it was a big reason why they won. But, um, you know, the, the way that OG kind of lingers off ball a little bit and doesn't quite feel like he's that much of a part of the action right now something to keep an eye on for sure um and i wonder also if you make the lineup change i was talking about before you bring precious in you move gary back to the bench maybe that just opens up a little bit more usage for og um just with gary not taking up his his share of the shots in that lineup i, I wonder if maybe that's a nice sort of you know shot rebalancing situation you could find there either way I thought that pass from Scotty to OG was just uh, ludicrous. He had a couple of insane assists in this game. He had one to Gary in the first half, I think, too, that was pretty nuts. Or, or no, it was in the second half. Either way, he, he's just, 
he's nuts. He's he's a really, really impressive basketball player. And I'm glad that the sort of panic and worry about the 21-year-old struggling as 21-year-olds do in the first part of the season um, seems to be kind of washing away. And we're all back on the Scotty Barnes bandwagon, as we all should be, because that dude rocks. And the passes he throws, truthfully, uh, they're art. And I can't wait to kind of see him expand that repertoire even more because very few guys see the floor the way he does very few guys see things ahead of time the way he does he passes dudes open all the time um really really impressive stuff from scotty barnes 26 7 and 4 really 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 great stuff 13 free throw attempts as well that's big um let's go to the bad let's just take a second here it's funny we can laugh about it now but the Comedy of errors, the sort of procession of very stupid things that took place for the Raptors late in this game. Felt like they were going to win the whole thing, and then they're up 125-115, they piss it away. You come down, you get a missed Scotty, uh, sorry, you get Fred fouling Jalen Brunson tied for whatever reason. I don't know if we, we actually got a reason and explanation from him uh, after the game. I didn't watch the post-game stuff, um, but like... It was just a baffling decision. He knew it was a baffling decision. The second it happened, fouling Brunson in the backcourt like that. Yes, they had the foul to give. My best read on it is Fred did it. I don't think he forgot the score. That that seems like not a Fred thing to do. It seemed like maybe he felt like he was behind the play and needed to foul Jalen Brunson to get the defense set. Still very early in the clock for that. I don't know. Very bizarre. Um, But... You know, either way, just a very baffling decision from a guy who was massive in this game. He just can't do himself any favors, it seems, with the anti-Fred faction, which, look, I, I get it. There's reasons why he has drawn so much scorn this year, but after the game he had to go and do that, just very, very, like, can't get out of your own way stuff. <laughs> it's it, We can laugh about it now. It's okay. Also, you know, you have the, the defensive breakdown on the R.J. Barrett dunk, which I, I just, like... I mean, <laughs> Scotty Barnes, I, I talked about his defense around the rim. In space, not so much the same success rate, I would say. And this one getting way too up into Barrett, allowing himself to get blown by. He's the center on the floor in that situation, nominally. And so I don't think anyone's sort of natural incl- inclination is to be the backline rim protector guy, because that's kind of Scotty Barnes' lot in that possession. Um, instead, he picks up Barrett from half court, gets blown by. Barrett does the Damar dunk on, you know, the, the, the Pistons with 100% less Anthony Tolliver dying. Um, but still, pretty impressive stuff from RJ to close out regulation. But it should have never happened, man. What are we doing? You know, just like the... Again, the, the allowing Jalen Brunson to walk down the floor off of the Scotty Barnes free throw miss and was that office? The whole thing blends together. I'm very bad. I don't have the LeBron picture memory for all these things that take place. But um, having just watched the game back half an hour ago, I still can't remember. But <laughs> this is what you pay for, I suppose, as a Lockdown Raptors listener. Um, anyway. To allow Jalen Brunson to just walk the floor for that open three as well, pretty unforgivable. I was certain it was going down. Um, you know, just very bad marking off of the missed free throw and all of that. Very, very confusing stuff. But, of course, the, uh, was it the precious three he missed? The Brunson wide open shot? Oh, it doesn't matter. Who cares? Um, either way, just the, the, they did not deserve to win this game necessarily. The Knicks did their own sort of fair share of screwing up down the stretch as well. But um, again, really nice that the Raptors could find themselves on the right side of a result in which a lot of things went wrong. Their margin for error was very slim. They didn't even win the possession battle in this game. Like, this was not a very Raptors-y game. And yet still, uh, they were able to win it, which uh, to me is promising, encouraging. Finding ways to win games in more than one exact way. Kind of a useful thing. Uh, lastly, let's get to the hmm here. 
And it looks as though the Nick Nurse sort of commitment to deep rotation dependability and sort of set rotations and uh, reliable bench pieces getting double-digit minutes off the bench, it kind of died in this game. You get no Christian Coloco, so the 10-man rotation becomes a 9-man rotation. You get 3 minutes from Malachi Flynn, so it basically becomes an 8-man rotation. And you get 7 minutes from Juancho Hernan Gomez, so really a 7-man rotation for the Raptors in this game. Um, you know, I, I guess you kind of get a little wiggle room because your starters haven't been super overtaxed in recent games, um, you know, comparatively to what they usually are, I suppose. And so maybe you feel like you can go a little hard, but it's the first night of a back-to-back. It's like a little troublesome to me to have five guys over 40 minutes. Obviously, OT inflates that, but you still would have three guys over 40 minutes had they just played in regulation. Um, so, you know, I'd like to see a little bit more commitment to the bigger rotation, even though I'm not a Malachi Flynn fan right now, it seems as though he's at least kind of stabilizing things a little bit, offering just a few minutes to give some reprieve to other ball handlers on the team. That's valuable for now. It's the best you got. Like, might as well give it a shot. And yet, you know, it's a full Tibbs versus Nick Nurse game <laughs> in this one last night. 49 minutes for RJ Barrett. My God. Um, yeah, like these two coaches kind of pointing at each other like the Spider-Man meme. But yeah, I, you know, I would like to see a sort of recommitment to the deeper bench rotation just because it seemed like it was really helping and like they weren't actively hurting the Raptors. I, I think, you know, a couple bad stretches here and there, but also plenty of good stretches to balance that out. Um, so, you know, a little interesting to see it go away in this one. Maybe it's just a, a, a matter of they were coming off a tough loss and Nick Nurse felt like they had to win this game. And that's a Nick Nurse thing to do is to kind of throw everything you can at the given game in front of you. Um, hopefully you can go a little bit more widespread in your rotation against the Bucks. We'll see. It's a pretty hard team to score on. You might need your best players out there for 48 minutes to have a chance. But um, yeah, uh, that, just an interesting thing to see a week of pretty steady, solid, deep rotation play and to have that go away on Monday. A little little concerning, but you know, again, it's just the hmm. So we don't know if it's going to be a burgeoning thing or it's going to stop after one game, but that's the whole point of the segment. All right, we're going to wrap it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back again tomorrow to break down the Raptors and Bucks game tonight. It's actually probably going to drop around midnight uh, Eastern time for those who are going to be the night owls waiting up after this game. So you have that to look forward to. Um, in the meantime, please go follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the show for free on your favorite podcast apps. We are also on YouTube. Please go subscribe over there. Once again, send an email to LockedOnRaptors at gmail.com. In that email, include a screenshot that proves you're subscribed to the Lockdown Raptors YouTube channel and a little note on your favorite deep cut Raptor of all time. You do that, you'll be entered into a draw to win two tickets to the Raptors Republic live podcast event February the 7th at the Rivoli, Queen Street West. It's going to be a blast. We'll see you there. Please send those emails, and I'll do the draw a week from today on the 24th of January. With that, we will round it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. Go make your second listen of the day, Locked on Leafs, as Mike and Dave doing a great job documenting a very good season for the Buds so far. And we will talk to you on Wednesday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye-bye. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, 
Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done.